Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us here on a sunny day in a very deserted city of Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the microscope. I'm Scott Challoner and I'm joined on today's programme by Richard Gale. Richard is the wedding coordinator at the Kingscote Barn, an event services company in Gloucestershire which provides a scenic venue for weddings, funerals, parties and corporate events. Richard, welcome to the programme, and it's great to have you on with us today. Good morning. It's fantastic having you, Richard. Now, um, this podcast, first and foremost, is about the topic of leadership, and that really is being put to the test at the moment with the COVID-19 outbreak as business leaders try to navigate their firms through this crisis. Tell me, for um, a business in your industry, how has it been trying to navigate the last few weeks for you? Because I can imagine it's been incredibly disruptive. Yes, this has been the uh, most challenging part of my career in hospitality over the last 15 years. Um, It really has been very, very stressful um, running an events business uh, where we are creating wonderful events for people, where they're one-off events, and uh, people often spend a couple of years planning them. And so a lot of our couples and uh, customers have found it very, very, very stressful uh, in the last few weeks, as I'm sure a lot of other people have. It's um, a little bit about our business. We um, we um, have a small estate in Gloucestershire and um, 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 run a farming business as well as a event business on the estate. And um, the farming business has been able to carry on busily as normal. But uh, even that has been quite challenging with uh, with uh, selling and buying um, goods. But um, primarily, the events business has been uh, been very very difficult for our whole team. We're currently closed at the moment. Um, our team are still um, um, conversing with clients, um, trying to um, rebook dates and. Uh, and offer them some sort of advice on on what can happen going forward. Mm. That's really interesting. And um, we often hear it said that these are unprecedented times. And you said yourself there, um, Richard, that you've uh, never really uh, faced challenges like this in uh, your career before. Um, So what would you say is the biggest thing that you've actually learned from this whole uh, pandemic period in that case? Well, I think probably the uh, the thing I've learned most from it is you've got to sit down, think about things quite carefully, and focus on a local level. I think there's a lot going on in the world. There's 24-hour news, which is bombarding everyone with uh, things happening all over the world. But I think as a as a small business, we've got to focus on our on our own circumstances and our own. Uh, clients, our own uh, staff, and um, do the best we can for everyone within that. I think that's really been something that's come to a fore and it's taken me a little while to, to work that out, I think. It's been a huge learning curve uh, for business leaders um, all over the uh, the UK um, and indeed uh, the world, of course. Um, would you say um, with that in mind that it's actually possible to be an effective leader without having to sort of experience learning curves throughout one's career? Yes, I think it's. Uh, it, uh, I think uh, anyone can uh, can uh, learn these skills and can uh, can go forward. 
I think it's just a question of uh, having to put yourself in a position where you've got to make a decision and you've given the facts, assemble all the facts that you've got in front of you and try and do the best you can for everyone. That's how I would, uh, how we've been trying to do it. Business has been uh, reduced to um, having to be reactive during this time, hasn't it? I mean, it's all well and good, of course, having the proactivity to plan for the long term. But when there is, of course, so much uncertainty, it's really testing at the moment the ability of businesses and business leaders to essentially roll with the punches and be able to make decisions quickly, but also in a pragmatic way as well. Yes, yes, yes. No, I think it's something we've we've been having to be... uh, that's been the most stressful part of it, that you're just completely um, working things out on an hourly basis and um, changing policies as necessary. But I think that there's been so much that has come out of this um, this um, 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 crisis for everyone. And I think a lot of people really have risen to the challenge. A lot of our team have um, got stuck in and um, dealt with things the best they can. And uh, I think that uh, there will be quite a, a change in everyone's attitude going forward now. I think people are more focused on on their own circumstances and um, and looking after people around them. So I think there there could be quite a bit of good come out of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's really reminded um, everybody that it's about um, the team as well as just um, a leader as uh, one person because it's not just a one man or a one woman job, is it? It's very much about the people around you and getting the best out of them. And times of difficulty do often bring out the best in people as well. Um, if we sort of take that um, into consideration just for a moment, Richard, um, if you were to give any advice to somebody who were perhaps about to start their first day in a leadership role, what advice would you give them in order to prepare for facing difficult situations and it doesn't necessarily have to be COVID-19 either well I think that um, it, the general uh, um, advice really for anyone in a leadership role in any way is to inspire your your team is to not only be on top of your your subject and your topic and have a good understanding of how it all works and where you're going and have a have a clear focus on on where you want to go in the future. And I think that um, given a lot of enthusiasm, that is something that does draw people along with you, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. And um, when you talk about taking people with you um, in that sense, inspiring them and giving them a common goal to aim toward, would you say that that ties into your own leadership model as well? Yes, very much so. Yes, I think that, um, that um, people in an organization or a team or whatever you're leading need to have that same common goal going forward to um, to focus on the same things. And I think then an organization becomes very strong then, doesn't it, when you've got everyone heading in the same direction. I would certainly agree with that. And um, would you say that there have been any uh, major influences behind um, your way of leading, Richard? Oh, yes, many influences. I think that um, I've been inspired by by many great leaders and many people I've met um, in business over the years. But I think that um, it's, I think the enthusiasm for doing your job is, is absolutely key. I think if you don't have that enthusiasm yourself, it, it doesn't rub off on the rest of your team. 
So I think that 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 really to me is the is the most important thing. Enjoy what you do and uh, get stuck in. Mm, absolutely, and um, of course, being in a leadership role or being in any role is something that one can learn and develop skills for throughout their career. But that enthusiasm, that self motivation, that hunger—that's something that has to come from inside the individual themselves, isn't it? That you can't essentially learn that quality. I think you can learn anything, but I think to have the key attribute of a natural enthusiasm is something that's very difficult to bring out in people if they haven't got it. And um, I think that's something that you you, uh, spot quite easily in people you meet, don't you? I would certainly agree with that. And um, just looking back at something that you said a little bit earlier, Richard, about somehow certain individuals within business have been an inspiration to you. Um, Sometimes, um, in my perspective, uh, we see good examples of leadership, um, especially in the business context, um, going under the radar a little bit. Because when we talk about um, leaders or think of leaders, we're tempted to think about politicians, celebrities, sports personalities, those sorts of people. Um, And quite often, good examples of leadership at the business level can go, as I say, under the radar a little bit. Um, would you say that um, with that in mind, that good leadership is really recognised as much as it should be in the UK, or should we be celebrating that some more than we do? Yeah, I think that um, I think everyone celebrates a good leader, whether it's running your sports team or running your organisation. And I think everyone appreciates it when they uh, when they do work with somebody like that. So I think it is appreciated, but um, perhaps it's something difficult to, to train, um, easily train at least. So, um, yeah, but um, I think there's plenty of good leaders out there and plenty of people with a leadership ability. And very often if you give people that, uh, that uh, challenge, they will rise to it and um, – I've often found that in our organizations, people will rise to a challenge given the opportunity. And if you show confidence in them, I think that's a, that's a great, uh, a great part in uh, encouraging people to, uh, to take on a bit more leadership. Mm, I completely agree with that. I think that it links back to that word appreciation, appreciation and encouragement. And for a leader especially, it's so important for them to allow their employees to know that they are appreciated because that helps nurture them and get the best out of them and also lets them know that they're on the right track and doing things well, doesn't it? Yes, yes, very much so. Yes, no, I think um, a lot will change in the world um, following this and um, possibly for a good thing. Absolutely. And if we do look to the future now and um, sort of think about that for a moment, Richard, before we do wrap things up today, um, what would you imagine the next year will hold for yourself and for the King's Coat Barn, both of its businesses, both in the events and the agricultural side? And also, what do you really hope to achieve in that time, particularly navigating this COVID-19 pandemic and then coming out of the other side of that? Well, I think it's going to have a a massive effect on society. I think we've become more locally focused in our uh, feelings. I think that um, there was huge emphasis in the past on global warming and um, a very important subject too. But I think now people are realizing that a more local supply chain is a very easy way of cutting down food miles, air miles, and travel miles. And I think that could make a big difference to uh, society going forward. I can quite see British agriculture being more important 
in the country because um, importing stuff may not be quite so easy. Mm. Importing food, and I think people have begun to realise that food isn't doesn't come from supermarkets. It actually is produced by hardworking producers all over the country. So I think that could be a big change in in people's uh, thought process on that going right up through society. I think with our events business, I think people will appreciate um, having possibly smaller events and um, possibly be um, more focused on on looking to um, encompass family rather than huge, huge, uh, big events. But um, I think that um, things will 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 evolve, and I think that uh, many businesses will will rise to the challenge. And uh, I think that um, the country may well uh, prosper when we eventually um, all get back to uh, to 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 business again. I would agree with that, Richard. I can see exactly where you're coming from. It is definitely changing times in uh, the events industry, in the agricultural sector, and um, in many industries, in fact. It is going to revolutionise the way that we uh, do business in this country. And I think it would be really interesting in the next few months, once we start to see the fog lift and see how some of those changes come about, if we could perhaps even have you back on the programme to look at this retrospectively and just see how that has happened. Um, But for now, Richard, um, I have to say it's been very insightful and also an absolute pleasure having you on today's programme. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on for the benefit of the listeners. Not at all. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, all the best to everyone. Thank you. Really enjoyed it, Richard. Thank you. Um, Coming up next on today's programme, we'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. As well as scoring over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City, Sir Jeff remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup following his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff, and that is coming up next. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first 
uh, came along. He made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was in terms of inspiring confidence I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me I guess w- would be the captain Bob Moore although he was only uh, about eight months older than me he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure. When you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. 
Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict but at times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i, I think and i don't uh, not for me not for a second i think mm. i was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt 
people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and say, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now, but it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Islands, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses itself, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to come up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think, um, 
you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no Mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, The straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but 
the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at that, so many, many, and that's why we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in in that breath. And there was nobody, and going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the... Um, uh, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those cat, those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. It- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. the word is The word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, 
thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.